Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, surprise, a special bonus episode in your feed, an interview episode. We might be doing more of these in the future, but after all the stuff that happened with Tesla and Elon Musk last week, I was like, what is going on over there? So I reached out to Rob Maurer of the Tesla Daily podcast. Never heard of the Tesla Daily podcast. It's another daily podcast, just like this one, but it only covers one topic, Tesla. It makes a great compliment to this podcast especially if you're into Tesla and EV and the whole automotive space. So definitely look it up and subscribe to it, the Tesla Daily Podcast. This was recorded on Sunday, September 9th, so some stuff has happened since then, but I think Rob gives us a very coherent picture or the big picture of where Tesla is at at this point. So enjoy. Hey, uh, Rob, thanks for coming on and uh, talking to us about Tesla. Hey, Brian, happy to be here. All right, let's, uh, I feel like this is long overdue, at least for me. <laughs> but let's, uh, let's just start with the very, the basic basic, which is, sure. I don't, like I said, offline, you know, I, I'm aware of, of Tesla, I'm aware of the space, I'm not super into it, so I don't know everything. But so what the what is up with Tesla? <laughs> like, is is the company in trouble? Is there a it, it, would you describe where Tesla is right now as crisis? Um, great question. I would not describe it as a crisis. I can understand why it may appear that way from the headlines that are constantly being generated day after day. <laughs> right, exactly. Like for someone that like me that follows it casually, the only mm -hmm. things I see are these he did what now? They're going to yep. do what now this happened, you know, certainly. So, yeah, in regards to what's going on at Tesla right now, a lot. So obviously they're in the midst of ramping up really the most disruptive product in the auto industry, basically in the last century. And that ramp up while it's happening really quickly in terms of the absolute volume that they're starting to produce and the time that it's taken them to get there. It has been behind what they said that they would achieve and what their goals have been. So that obviously comes alongside a lot of negative stories about them being behind their targets and a lot of this perception of them being slow or um, not ramping up very quickly. And then on top of that, every other day we get a new headline from Elon Musk. He's been very much out there on Twitter. Um, a lot of things happening there, obviously the privatization thing. So a lot of that gets mixed in. Um, and I would also say there's just in the media, um, there's probably a lot of incentive to kind of get these articles out there that have kind of these negative headlines. That's what's going to drive the most clicks. That's what's going to make people the most interested. And there's not a lot of incentive to kind of 
tell all the other side um, of the good things that are happening because it's just it's not as interesting, frankly. Well, so, I, I understand that, and of course, I'm very familiar with stories like with with an sure. angle like that where it's like you know even in the in the crypto space or if you're an Apple fanboy, they only do the negative stuff. Apple's only going to hell. You know, I, I get that. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. But what about the articles that I do see? And 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 we should say you're you're an avowed uh, proud Tesla bull, so yep. investor. Uh, so I've been invested in Tesla for the last five years or so. Great, great. So exactly. Mm -hmm. So granted, uh, you're you're. Uh, that's why I wanted you on. I wanted to hear. Okay, it, it, when I see headlines that like, um, you know, there there could be um, a revenue run rate problem. Like Tesla might actually be running out of money. Is that is that possible? So I would say it's certainly possible. It's not something that I expect by any means. In terms of the cash that they have on hand right now, it's you know above two billion dollars. Um, the worst cash burn they've ever had in a quarter was a billion dollars, and they're that's not going to stay consistent over time. That was basically at the trough of Model Three production, where they had spent you know tons of money to get these robots in place, get these manufacturing things and production lines set up, um, and then obviously you have to have huge expenditures for that. And then once those things are set up. You can start capturing the revenue, capturing the profits from the actual production that you spent all that money on. And you feel like they're right on the cusp of that. Right. And they're, that's exactly the point they're at right now. On the last earnings call, Elon said that this is kind of the, the best that he's ever felt about Tesla in terms of going forward. He feels like they're finally getting out of the production hell that they've been in for the last nine months to a year. So it's finally starting to change. He said he expects Tesla to be both profitable and cash flow positive this upcoming quarter and then pretty much in perpetuity beyond that. So with the $2 billion cash cushion, even if they're not able to quite achieve that because Tesla does frequently miss those aggressive targets that they have, it's not going to be anywhere near as bad as the cash burn that we saw in previous quarters. And they've still got plenty of cushion um, if they're not quite at that profitable or cash flow positive level yet. And then Model 3 is just going to keep ramping up. They're going to keep capturing more revenue there. Um, they're going to get more efficient with their production, which is going to make it more profitable. So I think they're in a really good spot. I can understand why it doesn't seem that way. And certainly Elon's other distractions have, you know, caused other negatives around Tesla too. Um, certainly the privatization thing. So there's a lot going on there that, that kind of creates that, that crisis feeling. Um, but just in terms of the actual business model to me, no, I don't feel it at all. Like it's in crisis. So you feel like the, the flywheel is right about to start turning so that, um, you know, like you said, once, once they can, get profitability with the model three and then it'll, it'll f fall out to other uh, models and, and, and the, the, pro the, um, produ the production processes will all start uh, running smoothly and things like that. So um, you feel like there's this magical tipping point, maybe magical, I wrong word, um, <laughs> but there's a tipping point where all the problems could potentially be solved if you get it over this line. Sure. And I wouldn't go as far as saying like every problem is solved because there's always going to be something new that's coming up and there's always going to be. Well, but but fly, the, the idea of the flywheel where once these things start to work, it helps other things start to work as well. For sure. For sure. Elon, in a recent interview, I can't remember who exactly it was with, but he said that um, the Model 3 was kind of like the last bet the company project for Tesla. And now they're coming out of that. So once they get beyond that, it should be um, much more. I don't know, less less concerning for investors, I think. In the future, it'll be start operating. Certainly, it's going to be a high-growth business, probably more along the lines of Amazon, where you know, they're putting all of their profit really back into the business, but it's going to be less funded by debt or capital raises. 
So I think we're to your point, I think we're almost at that point and they can start recognizing some of those economies of scale. So again, as, as someone that sort of looks at this casually, um, why can't, why did they have so much problem manufacturing the cars? I, again, uh, from just reading random articles, is it just that they they tried to do this super modern factory with automated everything and, and mm-hmm. the robots just didn't work? They maybe were a little too aggressive with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it in terms of why they missed their targets. So, and Elon's talked about this a lot on the investor calls because that's obviously a super common question is like, why are you guys not meeting your production targets? And a lot of what he's had to say about that is that they were too aggressive in terms of trying to introduce too much automation into the production process, um, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. I think in the short term, definitely a bad thing because it caused them to miss those targets, caused, you know, investors to probably get a little bit upset. But in the long term, Tesla's trying to push this production to a new level um, bring in more automation than is common in the car industry nowadays. That's, that's where the margins will come from. Exactly. So as they do these things, as they push so hard to improve these processes and introduce more automation over time, those are going to, they're going to reap benefits from that, but it causes more problems in the short term because not all of those things are going to work. And basically what Elon has said is that they just tried to do too much in kind of all at once. And there are a lot of things that humans are really good at, um, that, are difficult for robots to do. So probably doesn't make a lot of sense to automate those things, um, maybe over time, but certainly not to try to do that all at once while ramping up your product to a production level that you've never had before. So um, over time, they'll keep doing that. And their their goal is definitely to keep pushing automation in terms of production. And that's going to help them in terms of the profitability and their competitive advantages going forward. But they just try to do a little bit too much too quickly. And then the, the other thing that I'll say on that, even though they have missed their targets, it's still ramped incredibly quickly. If we go back just 12 months, Tesla was basically producing 2,000 cars a week, about a model, um, <clears throat> about 1,000 of the Model S, 1,000 of the Model X, um, so about 2,000 a week in total. Right now, they're basically producing 6,000 a week if we add in the Model 3 production, which is right around 4,000 per week right now. So over the course of the year, they've actually um, tripled production, which is really incredible growth. Even though they have missed those targets, it's been extremely impressive. If you kind of set your expectations according, accordingly and understand that Tesla is going to miss their aggressive targets, then really shouldn't have a problem with the ramp. And that's what I've done because I've you know followed Tesla so closely over these years and I've seen them do this before with Model X. So it's really a similar situation. Um, the results are great, but the expectations were just set too high that they don't seem great. Um, I want to come back to that last point in a second. Mm-hmm. And I hope you don't think that I'm trying to just poke holes in Tesla. But no, these are really great questions. The The... The other thing that I've read um, that would that actually rings a little true to me is that Tesla had early on a competitive advantage when it was basically the only but the only guy in town doing EV stuff. But now everybody is doing EV stuff, so the argument sure. would be, you know, Toyota or whoever can do six thousand in an afternoon or whatever in terms sure. of production. So if if at the beginning. Tesla had the only game in town and they knew how to do EV better than everybody. Okay. Everybody is getting on board the EV game and maybe they won't be able to do it as well as Tesla, but they can, they do know how to produce cars. So the argument is, is that now, now it's a crowded or not maybe now, but it's almost going to be a crowded marketplace. Does that take away Tesla's competitive advantage? Sure. So yeah, I hear that, you know, that concern or that counter argument a lot. 
Um, I think there, there are certainly more announcements about competition coming than ever before. Um, but I wouldn't say it's entirely new. Like, you know, go back two years, the big concern about the Model 3 was kind of the Chevy Bolt and how it was going to beat Tesla to market with kind of that 35,000 level price point to be the first, you know, mass EV. Um, now we've kind of got the results from all of that. Um, and the estimates for the Model 3 deliveries in the U.S. for August is anywhere from like 17,000 to 20,000. The number of bolts that were sold in August in the U.S. is just over a thousand. So, right, I heard like you. I heard 16 you gave times those, less. You gave those numbers in a recent podcast, and, and yeah, and you also made the point, I think, in that same one where, um, just as a single uh, car model alone in terms of revenue generated, mm-hmm. Tesla's way ahead, just yeah, by so, by any measure, right? Exactly. So, which is super impressive. Like, I mean, the Model Three in August probably generated um, easily over a billion dollars in revenue. The second most highest, the second highest revenue generating car in the U.S. was the Toyota Camry, which is probably somewhere around $750 million. So the Model 3, in terms of the revenue that's generating, is like 33% higher than the next highest car. For an electric vehicle to do that is really incredible. And this is an electric vehicle that, again, is new. They're in the first year of production. So even though that production pace seems slow, um, it's actually been really strong to my point earlier. And then kind of back to the Bolt and the competition, again, we've seen we've seen these stories like the Bolt's out there, the Nissan Leaf is out there. Those are, you know, slated to be competitors for Tesla or Tesla killers. We've seen so many announcements from Audi over the years about the upcoming Audi e-trons that have continued to get pushed or delayed. Now we do have some real competition coming with, you know, the Jaguar I-Pace that's gotten pretty good reviews so mm-hmm, far. Mm-hmm. The really... The thing to watch with competition is no one's really giving any indication on the actual scale of production. So a lot of these announcements from you know BMW, Jaguar, Audi, whatever the case may be, Porsche, they're going to be limited in production, probably around 20000 a year, if not lower than that. And that's kind of been the problem with the Bolt, too. It's just a limited production vehicle. And, and those guys would also be coming in on the high end, right? They'd be coming in the high end, so it might put some pressure on the Model S and the Model X, potentially. Um, obviously Tesla has a huge competitive advantage with the supercharger network that nobody else is, you know, able to, um, have that kind of a charging network available to them. And that's very important, um, to customers, I believe. So that's one advantage. Um, certainly there are other ones I believe, but even if you just look at the market and you you look at these other players coming in, the market is really, you know, it's very significant. All electric vehicles are like 1% of the market right now. So even if competition comes in, there's still plenty of market share to go around for Tesla to continue to grow into. Um, even with the Model 3, you know, they're targeting half a million per year of production. Um, even if all of these other competitors come in and let's say that, you know, there are 10 other major competitors and they're at, you know, 20,000 uh, per year with their vehicles, there's still going to be room for Tesla to take market share and grow market share. And certainly their their brand is pretty powerful at this point. So even if a Toyota came in with a competitor to the Model 3 or whatever, like you're still like, but you could get a Tesla. Right. Um, and Tesla is EV, like Toyota yeah. is not. Yeah. So even if right. Toyota brings an electric vehicle out, it's not, it's not core to their DNA. They're not going to be known for that, regardless of how competitive their product offering is. Um. So what was the whole going private thing? Yeah, like, and I'm even I'm even asking you to like speculate because I know yeah. you, you might not have. But do you think that it was just an impulsive thing that then he had to 
try to follow through on? Yeah, um, it's a great question. I wish I knew better. I think that it may have been a little bit impulsive, but it's been clear over the years that Elon has, if he were given the choice, Tesla would be a private company. SpaceX is a private company. Obviously, that's the other company that he's CEO of, um, and that operates probably much more smoothly. Um, so he has the opportunity to kind of compare how Tesla's run as a public company versus SpaceX as a private company, both multi-billion dollar entities. So he's got a really good perspective on whether or not Tesla should be private or should be public. Um, and he said, said as much before, they, they really had to go public to kind of survive the recession and kind of get through the launch of you know their first product with the, the Roadster and then launching the Model S uh, shortly after they became public. So it was kind of something that they needed to do um, rather than you know their ideal state. So if he had the opportunity to kind of take Tesla private, um, he was probably going to take that. And that's been pretty clear for a while. So I think he saw that opportunity. Um, I think that opportunity came to him from the Saudi um, Sovereign Wealth Fund. So after the that fund started buying stock and had to disclose their 5% stake, shortly after that, Elon tweeted that you know he was looking at taking Tesla private and had the funding for it. So I don't know if that was a reaction to the um, news that Saudi was buying on the public markets or what was at play there, but the timing is, is certainly interesting. Um, and then I guess kind of how I imagine the situation was is that Elon knew from previous conversations with that fund that they would be in support of taking Tesla private. Um, he said as much. So in the, in a blog post that, um, he posted on Tesla's website. So I think that he did have the funding secured and then throughout the process of potentially taking Tesla private, I think what he wanted to do with it was to use that Saudi investment as kind of a backstop to say, okay, like we're going to do this and then go to his other investors, try to get them on board with going private so that he could still keep a very diverse investor set where no one was gaining too much control of the company in that deal. So I think he used the Saudi fund as kind of um, a way to go to other investors and say, we're doing this. Are you on board or you're not? And I think through that process, he envisioned much more um, of the current investors being able to kind of go into that private deal. But unfortunately, a lot of the investment in Tesla is in mutual funds, mutual funds that have rules on how much of a stake they can have in private companies right. um, or how much of their portfolio, et cetera. It's difficult to get re retail shareholders converted over into a private fund. There are a lot of different rules and regulations around those things. Um, so I think after he kind of went through that process and, and realized that it would probably have to come from a, you know, not as diverse investor set, then at that point, I think is when he made the call to keep Tesla public. Guys, we don't have to choose between hair growth and our health. Nutrafol's drug-free whole-body approach promotes hair growth from within. No compromises, just better hair. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement brand with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day. See results in three to six months. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months taking Nutrafol's men's hair growth supplements. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a 
limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code RIDEHOME. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men, and enter promo code RIDEHOME. Want a better way to simplify your business finances across expenses, vendor payments, and accounting? If so, Ramp could be a complete game changer. Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spend. With Ramp, you're able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Ramp's accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so you don't have to. You'll never have to chase down a receipt again, and your employees will no longer spend hours submitting expense reports. The time you'll save each month on employee expenses will allow you to close your books eight times faster. Ramp's also saves you money. Businesses that use Ramp save an average of 5% the first year. Ramp is easy to use. Get started, issue virtual and physical cards, and start making payments in less than 15 minutes, whether you have five employees or 5,000. And now, get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash techmeme. Ramp.com slash techmeme. R-A-M-P dot com slash techmeme. I'm going to ask you about the uh, Rogan podcast in a second, but mm-hmm. um, I, you know, the real news that probably moved the stock this week was the continued executive leave, <laughs> executives leaving the company yeah. sort of yeah, news. Yeah, I would agree. Um, is there anything there that concerns you? No, I don't think so. Um, I don't have the, the stats in front of me, so um, I wish I did, but I believe that the turnover at Tesla is pretty much in line with um, other, you know, um, major public companies. So personally, I don't have a ton of concern there. Um, I can see, I can see why people do though. Certainly, obviously it, it gets a lot of attention when someone, well, like, uh, yeah, right. Uh, the the uh, chief accountant can only last a month, which right. I, you know, listen, I'd even, I even buy that as, as reasonable. Like this is a hard guy to work for. This is a crazy company that might chew you <laughs> up and spit you out. So I get that, yeah. but yeah, that doesn't look good. If, especially if that seemingly continues to happen on a regular basis. Right. And then, yeah, definitely with the case of the chief accounting officer, um, that's not really, you know, that's not the ideal thing that you would see, you know, that sort of turnover. So, um, I don't love it. I don't, I'm not necessarily concerned by it. You know, certainly I wish he would have, you know, stayed on board for the long term. but he kind of has an interesting background too, that I wonder if, if it was kind of involved in the privatization deal, because historically in his career, he was with Seagate, um, Mm. for his entire career. Oh, right. And he was actually with them in a financial role when Seagate went private and then eventually came back and went public. So it's kind of interesting, the timing of him being brought in um, and then the privatization deal potential being announced Ah. and going public again or staying public rather. And then the C, uh, the chief accounting officer departs at that point. So I don't know if that's playing into it. Kind of the statement that he gave was that um, just the public attention on Tesla and the pace of the company was, you know, too quick for his liking. But he did say that um, he felt good with all of Tesla's accounting practices and like all the books were in line and everything. So it wasn't for those reasons, which at least we have a statement of him saying that because that is still him putting, you know, kind of his reputation on the line to say those things. He didn't, certainly didn't need to um, when leaving that position. So I think, you know, if, if someone has concern that they can at least take comfort in, in kind of that um, 
you know, check mark. Um, it is unfair to ask you to psychoanalyze somebody that you don't know personally. Um, <laughs> but I'm basically going to ask you to do that because uh, is Elon okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> even on, on just like a, are you okay, dude? Do you, do you need a rest? Yeah. Like that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, it's, it's super tough to say. I mean, the the behavior over the last, I would say, three, six months has been probably more erratic than in the past. And Elon's certainly do, do not. You, I mean, because you've been following this company for a long right. time. So even someone that's been following closely, it has been nuttier lately. Yes, I do feel like there has been a change lately. Um, to what level that concerns me, uh, I guess that's up for debate. Right now, I'm not terribly concerned when I, so I didn't watch the Joe Rogan podcast live, so I kind of woke up to the headlines of like, oh, Elon Musk smoked weed on the Joe Rogan podcast. I was like, great, like one more thing. When I finally had a chance to watch the podcast, you know, as things tend to do, the headlines, you know, draw the most interesting perspective on it. And then when you kind of look at it, you go, okay, this is not really that big of a deal. Like he basically took one hit of, you know, something that Rogan offered him. Right. And... Which, which, by the way, because, you know, I, I'm a listener of, of the Rogan podcast. Like, it was yeah. exactly what I expected it to be. Right. It was, you know, it's it's why people have been telling Joe to, to bring on, and Joe's wanted him on for so long. They right. talked about the singularity and robot and AI taking over and, you know. Um, so, actually, I, I'm just going to interject real quick. I think that a lot, there were two things there. First of all, I feel like a lot of people haven't seen Elon speak extemporaneously a lot. And yep. so if that's your first, because, um, you know, you've seen him give presentations and things like that. If that's your first exposure to him, you're like, okay, this guy's a little weird. Anyway, <laughs> no matter what they're talking about, right? So I feel like right. that that's part of the, the sort of reaction. And then the other reaction is just the, well, would you see Tim Cook go on a rando podcast? Which, by the way, Tim, you can come on this one anytime. But you know, or and 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 smoke. Like I get it, I get that. But uh, but if you knew all of the vectors here, there was nothing in that interview that was surprising to me. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it is surprising me, to me that he did it, but at the same time, you know, it's it's not like extremely surprising. Um, and again, like after after he did it, he said that he very rarely, almost never um, partakes in that and that he didn't feel any effect from it. So it's not like there's like some problem here. It's just, you know, should a CEO be doing that on a podcast? That's really what it comes down to. And Elon Musk is not a normal CEO. So you're going to have to, if you, you know, if you want to invest in Tesla, certainly you need to understand that you're not going to get Tim Cook because, you know, they're very, very different in terms of but, how they know, run the business. But, but so, okay, that, that brings me back to the original question, which is, mm -hmm. Because you could also, and you know, they CNBC trotted everyone out on Friday to say, you know, a CEO shouldn't tweet this much. A CEO shouldn't, you know, if you look at the tweets that he does sometimes, he'll get in, you know, to entire threads with, you know, multi, like, again, I, it, it maybe it's unique. It's, it's unique or whatever, unique. but like, <clears throat> I don't know. Um, so I'm just bringing me back to that original question, which is, yeah. is he okay? Like, even on the level of, is he bitten off too much? Can he not delegate? That sort of like, what's the deal with him? Yeah. So I don't want to, you know, go too deep into this, obviously, but Elon does seem to feel things very deeply. Um, I think a lot of that comes out in kind of the mission-based aspect of his businesses, both with SpaceX and with Tesla. And I think that also extends into his personal life. Um, 
he recently had been dating um, musician Grimes and they recently broke up. So I feel like he's really been dealing a lot with that. Um, even prior to their relationship starting and ending, he, I don't know, maybe six months, a year ago, he kind of did an interview with the Rolling Stones and talked a little bit about how difficult it's been for him to kind of find that companion or that partner. Mm. Um, you know, he's talked about how the amount of time that he has to devote to his work doesn't really leave him much time for those personal relationships, which are very clear, clearly important to him. So I think he's just kind of been through, you know, that happening time and time again. And, you know, this is kind of the most recent iteration of that and it just keeps happening. So I think that, you know, that's all obviously my speculation, but I think that that's been weighing on him a little bit. And certainly it seems to coincide with, you know, some of the more, I don't know, activity level spikes, I guess we'd say in Twitter or um, whatever it may be. So that's, that's kind of my personal opinion. Um, who knows if that's accurate? Like, no idea. It's just speculation. But after watching Elon really closely for a long time, that's kind of, you know, I guess my my thought. Well, let's end with um, take me like six months out or 18 months out. Like you, you we, we began by saying maybe we're on the precipice of like this all this all it's all happening, man. Yeah. Um, so what's the big story or narrative around Tesla that we should be watching for for the next, you know, six to 18 months or so? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we touched on a lot of them, like pretty much everything that we've said is like something that we're going to keep an eye on for the next, you know, six to 12 months. Um, In terms of what's upcoming for Tesla, though, obviously the focus is continuing to ramp Model 3, get that, um, get the production to a really good level, show the profitability, continue to be cash flow positive, profitable, things like that. So in terms of the business model, those are the things that I'm looking for. Um, In terms of the products upcoming, we've got the Model Y. So that's supposed to release in, or not release, but they're supposed to show the Model Y in March. Um, Obviously, that date could change, but that's kind of their thinking right now. So that'd be upcoming here in kind of the next six months, which is, you know, really exciting. A lot of people have high expectations for that vehicle as well. Um, And then kind of in that 12 to 18 months, maybe two years timeline, we're looking at the Tesla Semi. Um, They already have orders from, you know, pretty much every major company for Mm -hmm. tests of those vehicles. So that's going to be a super exciting product. The specifications on that are pretty, pretty crazy. Um, Daimler went as far as saying like that it wasn't even possible. So (laughs) we'll see, we'll see if Tesla's able to pull that off. Um, but there's a lot of upcoming things in the pipeline. They've got the solar roof too, uh, which you know they talked about on the Rogan podcast, but that's an exciting product. Um, really just integrating solar panels with kind of a traditional looking roof, um, which is going to be, I think, probably a pretty big market for that eventually as they can get production up, cost down, et cetera. So, I mean, that's just Tesla in a nutshell, you know, trying to scale things and get them to be um, affordable for the mass market. Well, Rob, there's one podcast that I listen to to keep up on crypto news, and there's one podcast that I listen to to keep up on Tesla news, and that's <laughs> Tesla Daily. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it's a good uh, listen. If you're if you're if you've made a habit of the tech meme right home every day, um, you could complement that quite nicely with Tesla Daily. Yeah, agreed. Um, it's really quick too. Generally five to ten minutes. Right. Exactly. And so uh, in and out. Here's here's what happened in the world of Elon today, which is how yeah. I've been uh, uh, titling those segments. Uh, Rob, thanks for coming on and uh, telling us about all that. Great. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it.